Hello and welcome to ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, a special production of the International Seabed Authority in celebration of the remarkable contributions of women to the progressive development of the law of the sea. I'm your host, Mark Thomas, and today we meet a passionate personality in the law of the sea, a woman who has combined her razor-sharp intellect, her business acumen, and sublime skills as one of India's top legal minds to be an eloquent advocate and teacher at universities across the world's largest democracy, influencing and mentoring thousands of students in the rudiments of the law of the sea, maritime laws, and the blue economy. Madhumita Kotari, a champion for the ocean, she also brings a formidable background and experience in international business management and marketing, and a trademark radiance and energy to her advocacy of the law of the sea. Dr. Katari, welcome to the conversation. Thank you, Mark, for hosting me through this wonderful podcast. Wow. At the outset, I must thank the Secretary General, His Excellency, Mr. Michael William Lodge, for giving me this wonderful opportunity. Law of the Sea is my passion and profession. And Mr. Michael Lodge has played a significant role in keeping this fire burn strongly in me. Professionally, I follow him very closely as an ideal global leader in the domain. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathari. I find your, your journey so amazing. You grew up in a family of lawyers, and then you decided to study business, management, and geography. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But you excelled at all of these jobs uh, in the private sector. And then, like turning on a dime, you decided to fall in line with the family traditions and go study law and to master that as well. You really bring meaning to the phrase incredible India. If you may, walk us through this exciting phase of your life, Dr. Kotari. Well, Mark, I come from a family of English-educated, well-known barristers and judges of their times. So I was destined to be in this profession. From my childhood, you'll be happy to note, I wanted to be an oceanographer. But no one around me knew what it meant. And there was no internet within my reach in India before 2000. So I majored in geography with a distinction in my first master's. Very specifically, geomorphology of the oceans was my love. Wow. I studied in JNU and did very well academically. MBA was one of the aspired degrees of the late 90s. And I very successfully laid my hand on it with a distinction in international business. Having one master's, one MPhil, one MBA, that said it was time I moved into the family profession. So I got through the admission test at Delhi University Campus Law Center and completed my full-time LLB. Then there was no looking back. I got an LLM from Cardiff University UK with a distinction in shipping laws a PhD in Blue Economy and Ocean Governance, a postgraduate diploma in International Law and various diplomas in Law of the Sea, Maritime Laws, International Contracts, International Commercial Arbitration, both from India and abroad. Thus, I have synchronized my love for the sea 
through an interdisciplinary education in geography, management, and law, both commercially and academically relevant in contemporary times. Wow. Tell me, what, what fascinates you so much about the ocean? My academics had everything, and especially my first uh, master's in geography, it had everything to do with the study of oceans. My dissertation was based on a field study on the northern and southern slopes of the Himalayas in terms of the erstwhile Tethys Sea of the Mesozoic era, the great oh. sea between Gondwana land and Angara land, and we could actually locate Mesozoic fossils on the rocks in our study areas. So that was a point which kind of fulfilled my aspiration, my desire that maybe I'm walking on the roads towards becoming an oceanographer. Yeah, that's the next big domain to conquer. So you have you have done lots of academic work, which I find also very intriguing. What excites you about that side of your life with young people molding their minds, talking to them about the law of the sea and the ocean that you love so much? When I enter the classroom, the first question I ask my students is, have you been on a cruise? Within course, I love being on a cruise and one of my vacations is a cruise vacation. <laughs> and you will be surprised to know that the answer generally is no from the students. Then I ask the students, have you been to a beach? Well, some say yes. So I know my starting point now, market. I teach about my passion, that is the oceans from all perspectives. The theory, the issues, the cases, the judgments, the critical analysis, followed by port visits and maybe a short cruise along the coast for my students. So it's a new experience for all, new excitement for me, and a complete package, creating domain awareness and development of domain love for the oceans. Incredible. Madamito Katari, an amazing advocate for the law of the sea. Where does she find the time to run a successful law practice and to lecture and to publish multiple academic publications and conference papers and teach. Just incredible. This is ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea. It's time for a quick break, but when we come back, we will hear more of Madhubita's perspectives on building awareness in India about the law of the sea and the role women can and should play in the blue economy. Welcome back to ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, featuring Dr. Madhumita Kotari, a celebrated jurist in the nation of India, an academic and a passionate advocate for the ocean and the law of the sea. Now, let's, let's talk about India, you know, from a macro standpoint. Uh, we know your country has a rich maritime history, strong naval traditions. How would you say India has progressed in the law of the sea? And how might your voice, uh, your advocacy, spur growth along the development continuum? 
India is a maritime nation, even historically dating back to 9,000 years. Lothal in Gujarat was a flourishing port 4,000 years back. We traded on both sides of the Indian Ocean. I think we have not preserved our history very well, or it may have been destroyed by Islamic invaders. Certain historical evidence illustrates religious taboo on crossing the oceans. This impeded growth of ocean trade in India. Most of my forefathers were educated in England, coming from a very elite Bengali family, and I'm told their parents had to do penance and duly reward the religious authorities to take their sons back into society after returning from England. The domain of the oceans have been greatly neglected and ignored in India. The concept of the blue economy, which should contribute more than 4% to India's GDP, need higher focus. The Prime Minister has in place the Sagarmala project, the Sagar project, deep ocean mission with huge investments in place. India needs to act as the real leader in the region, especially in the Indian Ocean Rim Association countries, the BIMSTEC countries, by BIMSTEC I mean the Bay of Bengal Initiative for Multi-Sectoral, Technical and Economic Cooperation. India must involve its people beyond just the government lobby. That is, include its industry, academia, law firms, think tanks in expanding the implementation of projects in the blue economy. I would suggest that more practical approach be brought in with regard to coordination and participation with United Nations agencies. I'm sad to know that even at the higher echelons of society in India, you'll be surprised to note people are not aware of the International Seabed Authority. Oh. The Prime Minister of India has a great vision in terms of the blue economy and its development. Human resource needs to be developed to implement his vision. This is the need of the hour in India. Yes, I hear your voice. I hear the advocacy and the conviction. And yours is a, a very important voice in India at this time. But we know that from the very outset, less so now, um, the law of the sea has been a field of international law dominated by men. How might the voices of other Indian women join yours for greater impact on the Indian subcontinent? And even beyond India, what would your counsel be to women, particularly young women, considering careers in international law and even wishing to specialize in the law of the sea? Mark, you will definitely appreciate with land resources getting depleted gradually and the population increase in India, we have to depend on the oceans for the future. It is therefore extremely important for the people of India to appreciate this as early as today, this moment. The first step is education and domain awareness. More academic institutions should start teaching the subject beyond just marine engineering and maritime security. 
Let us look at the big picture of the blue economy and make it a part of a syllabus right from school. Let the industry focus on its own blue resources. So the policy, laws, and regulations need to be reviewed. Domestic laws in India need to be harmonized with international laws, especially in the ocean domain. I would urge more Indian women to learn about this domain and consider career opportunities in the domain. Unfortunately, Mark, today in India, the career opportunities in public international law and the law of the sea is negligible. Wow. The United Nations or the government of India has really not looked much into this. I, for myself, with all the talent, education, experience, and capability is still outside the United Nations system in spite of my best efforts. What to talk of other women who are not so enterprising like me? I think the scope to be a part of the UN system in public international law, including the law of the sea, is higher in most countries outside India. India has unexploited and unsupported talent caught up alone like me, walking the road and knocking doors, but to no avail. Because without one being part of a certain lobby in India, and being very candid, Ma, mm. or connected to someone in the government who knows you in India, it seems impossible to look into the United Nations system from India for a woman. Talent wasted due to lack of either a pull factor or a push factor. Yeah. I hear you. So this is a situation in India. We have to look to the future and we have to move forward. So what's the future you see? What's the future you desire? What's your vision? Where do you want things to go? Mark, Law of the Sea, according to me, is one of the most successful international treaties. I mean the United Nations Convention on Law of the Sea. In my opinion, is one of the most successful treaties of the time of the generation. Another like this may be a dream for the generation. I have personally heard Admiral O.P. Sharma, who was involved from India between 1975 to 1982 during the discussions. We have had close talks on the progress and prospects of the UNCLOS on a very positive note. I agree with his statements. However, the void in terms of gender inclusivity, also duly acknowledged by Admiral Sharma, is greatly noticeable by its absence of focus in the UNCLOS. And what next for me? Yes. I'm passionate about the oceans. I would be the best fit for the brand ambassador of the oceans, either for India, International Seabed Authority, Indian Ocean Rim Association countries, or any other related UN organization through which I can spread the message of global cooperation, sans war, and gender inclusivity in peaceful use of the oceans, seas, and the seabed. I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Madhumita Kothari. Thank you for the, the conversation today. We're truly touched, moved, and inspired by your remarkable achievements and your passion. 
your passion for the oceans. Thank you. My best wishes to all of you. Thank you so much. This has been ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, a special production of the International Seabed Authority in celebration of the remarkable contributions of women to the progressive development of the law of the sea. I'm Mark Thomas, your host. Until next time, thank you for listening.